right, all right. Grab your Bibles. I hope you're as geared up for this as I am, man. Thank you for our worship team and all that they, they are doing. Will you give them an affirming <laughs> encouragement? Colossians chapter 3 is where we're going to be today. Colossians, the third chapter, verses 12, 13, and 14, primarily in verse 13, but Colossians chapter 3. I remember as a child in elementary school when we got our very first microwave oven. It was as big as an oven, for those of you who remember when they were introduced many, many years ago, it was as big as our modern day ovens, sat up on the countertop, uh, almost so big it almost, you know, came off the countertop, and uh, I think it was Christmas time, if I, I recall, we got it at Christmas time, and I remember uh, my, one of my parents, I forget which one, grabbed a bowl and put water in it and set it inside the microwave and closed the door. And all of our family gathered around the microwave, peering in as if we were watching television, because they said that, you know, it normally takes, you know, about 12, sometimes 15 minutes, depending on how much water uh, that you have to boil water on a stove, but they were telling us that this newfangled device that we had in our household was going to boil water in about two minutes. And so we gathered around all peering in, watching and watching and watching, and the, and the, the countdown began, two minutes, uh, and worked it all the way down. Finally, the buzzer went off and opened the door, and voila, boiling water. And we, we were amazed, and it was like going to revolutionize everything. And really, the, the microwave is a wonderful invention, but it also, we didn't know it, but it signaled the end of our collective patience as a culture. It was all over with the microwave, and our, our world since then has been speeding up and speeding up, and now no one can stand to wait anymore. How many of you remember when the internet began, you know, when we finally got the internet, and uh, we had dial-up internet? Now, you young people, you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. But when, when the internet finally arrived in our households, you know, we were actually, instead of having a dedicated line, you know, we actually used our phone lines, and, and let me explain a little bit further, our phones actually had cords to them back in those days, attached to the wall. And so uh, you would put, put your computer, you would connect it to a thing that we call a modem, and, uh, and you would hear, you'd actually start it up, and you would begin to hear the computer dialing the number, and a lot, a lot of beeps and, and, and buzzes, and, and about two minutes later, you were finally on the internet, right? Well, now today we have, you know, this, the internet is so fast, so quick. I mean, you, you need to download a video back then. I mean, you could have, you know, started the video, uh, go off and boil some water the old-fashioned way and come back and it was almost done. Now it's instant download, right? And so we've got this micro, microwave society, and we, if, if our YouTube video you know, buffers, we're starting to pull out our hair today. We're so accustomed to having what we want and having it right now. You want to see how little patience there is in the world today? All right, when you leave here and, and go out uh, off of our campus and you go to the first stoplight, uh, when the light stops, it stops you, I want you to do, do, do a little test, all right? I don't want you to look at your phone like you normally do, all right? I want you to, though, I want you to pause. When the light turns green, I want you to pause for a half of a second. Not a full second, but a half of a second and see what that joker behind you does, <laughs> right? 
I mean, some people have such hand speed when they go to, to honk that much faster than it takes my foot to go from the, from the brake to the gas. Can I get an amen, right? They're so quick because they're impatient. I, 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 I tell you, we've reached a point where, where our patience is very thin. Is anyone patient anymore? Well, Christian, you may not be patient, but you're supposed to be. I know that our, our culture has microwaved us into a new way of, of, of viewing time, but you're supposed to be patient, Christian. It's expected of you. If you are a spirit-filled believer in Jesus Christ, patience ought to be a defining characteristic of, who, of you and who you are. Why is that? Because patience is a characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit. We're told this in Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23. We've read this um, each week as we've journeyed through this series, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So we're in this series that we're calling Fruition. It's all about the, the fruit of the Spirit. By the way, we've learned that there is how many fruits of the Spirit? One. One fruit of the Spirit, but there are nine characteristics of that one fruit. And each week we're examining each of these characteristics. And the characteristic we're focusing on today, obviously, is patience. And that's what I want to encourage you to be today, is to be patient. And so to do that, we're going to examine this, this three verses in Colossians chapter 3. Uh, but the, the most important one is the middle verse, verse 13. So let's look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 12, 13, and 14. Do you have your Bibles with you? Go ahead and stand with me. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, we're going to present the Scripture on the screen behind me. If you don't personally own a copy of God's Word, if you'll come see me following this service, uh, I'll make my way out to the foyer. Uh, we'll make sure that you get a copy before you depart today. But Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the Christians in Colossae, and he says this. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And then he describes how we can be patient. Verse 13, bearing with one another. And if anyone, if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so that you also must forgive. And of all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Will you pray with me? Lord, in, in this microwaved culture, where patience is no longer a virtue, in fact, in the minds of some, it's a vice. Lord, I pray that you would help us to reclaim what it means to be a changed people of the Lord, and that, Lord, being changed by you, one of the things that will be obvious of us is that we're more patient, all because of the work that you do within us. And so, Lord, I ask that you encourage us with these words. Give us some helpful insight about how we can develop and cultivate this in our lives, that we may be a people defined not just by our patience, but our love for one another. So this I ask in the name of Christ, Amen and amen. Go ahead and have a seat and thank you. As we were reading through verse 12, you, you may have noticed with verse 12 and even verse 14, there's some similarities to the things that Paul is writing here in, in Colossians 3, 
with what he writes in our, our key passage of Galatians chapter 5. So there's some similarity to the, to the fruit of the Spirit as he describes in Galatians. And here in Colossians is sort of a mini list of the fruit of the Spirit, which again shouldn't be too surprising because Paul himself wrote these things. And it's true that several of these characteristics of the fruit of the, of, of the Spirit are, are mentioned either directly or indirectly here. We get a, a mentioning of kindness and patience that are explicitly mentioned here, that are also mentioned in Galatians 5. Love is also implied here when he talks about having compassionate hearts or putting on compassionate hearts. And also gentleness. Gentleness is synonymous with meekness. Now one major difference between Galatians 5 and the passage that we've just read is that in Galatians 5, Paul calls those, uh, they say that those things that he lists are, are the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. Meaning that if you're a Christian, that God's Spirit is within you and therefore these characteristics are things that should be seen in you as a follower of Christ as a spirit-filled follower of Christ. But here in Colossians 3, Paul is giving a, a direct command to them, telling them to put these things on, put these characteristics on, as if we have to work to make them happen. And the explanation for both is that as Christians, yes, the Spirit gives us these characteristics, but also as Christians, we also work on these things and seek to develop these characteristics in our lives. So when you know Christ, the Holy Spirit comes within you, and the Spirit is then indwelling you, working to provide these, these traits and to produce this fruit within you. And as you walk in Christ, this fruit is cultivated and it grows. And so all Christians, we have this one fruit because it is the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't mean that we have all nine of these traits equally within us. For some of us, joy is stronger. For others, patience may need a little bit of work. But the point being is that just as fruit on a, on a fruit tree needs to be cultivated and, and, and developed, so also our spiritual fruit needs to, do, to be done as well. And so before we jump into discussing the, the characteristic of, of patience, I'd like to just take a moment, if I could, to discuss why we need to cultivate these characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit within us. And I believe this passage speaks to that. In fact, if you go back to verse 12, listen again to how Paul begins this when he says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. What Paul is describing here is how God sees us, God's, how God sees Christians. He sees us as chosen ones. As a child of God, you're his. You're one of his chosen, and he sees you, therefore, as very special. He's chosen you to fulfill a very uh, important purpose, a specific purpose. And so to what purpose has he chosen you and I? It's to be holy and, and to be beloved, loved by God and to be set apart by him. That's what the word holy means. When he calls us holy and beloved, we're loved of him, but, but holy means that he has consecrated us. We have been set apart. We've, we've been put in a special place. Uh, we, we've been set apart to live a new way. We've been set apart to live differently and distinctly from the world. We've been set apart to live for Christ and to be like him. And so when we come to faith in Christ, in Jesus, we receive a new life. We're not the old people that we once were spiritually. We're new people. And that means everything about us ought to be do, new. It ought to be different. It ought, it ought to change within us. And so when we become Christians, He changes our very nature. Immediately it happens. But over time, 
He begins to work changes in us and begins to work changes in our thoughts and helps us to change our behavior. Sometimes God makes those changes happen very quickly, but oftentimes it takes a little bit of time. It's a process. And we call that process of God working in us, of making us more like Jesus, we call it sanctification. And sanctification is a little different than the moment when we are, are converted. The moment when God changes us happens in a moment, but sanctification is a process that works out over time. When we're converted, when we're born again, God does all the work in that, but when it comes to sanctification, it's sort of like a partnership. God is going to sanctify us, but we're also going to be a part of that process as well. As we work to grow more, more deeply in our walk with Him, the Lord works with us by pulling us along and taking us deeper in our faith with Him. And that's why Paul here in Colossians 3 is telling us to put on things that we know that we're supposed to have uh, because we're, we're spirit-filled believers. He says again in verse 12, Put on then compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And so when it comes to these characteristics or the characteristics that you see in Galatians chapter 5, God does His part. The Spirit gives us these characteristics, but we are to put these things on also. We are to work these things out in our lives, to cultivate these characteristics and to put them into practice. And as we put them into practice, guess what happens? The Lord begins to develop these traits more deeply and grows them within us. All right, with that in mind, let's now look at the specific subject of today, and that is patience. Let's talk about how we can cultivate patience that the Lord has given to us. Because in this mini list of characteristics, Paul mentions patience and gives us some actions about how we can do that very thing. But first, let's define what patience is. Sometimes patience is defined as long-suffering. And it's the idea in patience is that there's some suffering on your part. You're putting up with something. You're dealing with something that may be a little uncomfortable. And so patience is the ability to bear difficult situations and to bear difficult people and to do so without complaint, without irritation, without losing one's temper. Can I define that again for you one more time? Patience is the ability... To, to bear difficult situations and people without complaint, without irritation, and without losing one's temper. Let's read verse 13 again, because I want to spend a little bit of time there. Verse 13, Paul says this, after saying patience, we need to put on patience, he then qualifies that by saying, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving one another, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. All right, so how do we put on patience? How can we work this out in our lives, cultivate patience, and see it grow within us? Well, this verse is going to reveal three, three things that we should do or, or, or should be as a changed people. Chosen of God, holy and beloved, what should we do? Well, one is to be one who endures. You want to be more patient? Got to work on your endurance. Be one who endures. And boy, if there's anything that, of, of one of these that we need to do a whole lot more of, it's, it's this one. Endure. And, and by endure, I'm not just talking about enduring circumstances. I'm, I'm specifically, and Paul's going to point this out, we need to endure people. Look, in fact, look at verse 13. Paul says, bearing with one another. He doesn't just tell us to bear, but to bear with one another. So, we're to bear with one another, not just circumstances, but bear with people. So what does it mean to bear with other people? What does it mean to be bearing? Well, it means to be patient. 
That, that same word is, is the synonymous word in the Greek language of patience. It means to put up with. It means to endure. You have anybody in your life that you have to put up with? Don't answer that out loud, all right? Don't, don't raise your hand, all right? Do, do you have anybody in your life that, that you have to put up with? If the answer to that is no, then maybe you're the one others are putting up with. All right. We almost all have someone that we have to bear with. Someone who pushes the wrong button in us, right? Someone who, who irritates us. Someone that, 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 that causes the words that we should never even think to come right up to our lips and almost share, but we don't because we're godly people, right? You know, a lot of the time, the people that are in our lives that, that we struggle to deal with, that we have to bear with, that we have to endure, a lot of the time it's because of our personality type is a little different than theirs. In fact, it, it's one of those, those uh, either they're very much like you or very much not like you, and so your, your, your personality types don't complement one another. But let me give you an example. The, the characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit that I may embody the strongest, at least according to my wife, is patience. She says that I have the patience of Job, but can I tell you, you know the, the, the type of person that I struggle to have the most patient with? People with no patience. That is the Lord's truth. I mean, I just want to, okay, let's trust the Lord here. Let's, let's take our time here. Let's not jump to conclusions. Let's, let's give the Lord some time to work. And then there are the people that are like, let's go right now. Let's go. And I was like, calm down, right? And I have trouble being patient with impatient people. So guess who I have to bear with in my life? Guess who I have to endure? Impatient people. So how do you bear with someone? How do you endure them? Well, you put up with them. You just deal with it. You just learn to, to cope with it. Well, well yeah, I mean, I, I'm bearing with a lot of people then because I'm putting up with a lot of their nonsense. Well, listen, bearing with one another doesn't mean that you get to gripe about it while you're bearing it. All right? It doesn't mean you get to complain. I mean, some people are enduring other people and they want you to know that they're enduring other people, right? They want you to know how hard it is for them in that moment. You know, I don't like being around that person, they'll say. <clears throat> I'm tired of putting up with them, but I do it because it's my duty. It's my cross to bear. No, it's a grudge that you're bearing is what you're, what's going on there. Get over it. And so speaking of grudges, there's something else we can then do. Instead of having a grudge when you got to complain against someone, Paul would tell us we got to endure other people. You got to put up with them and let the Spirit work in you to help you do that. But two, proactively deal with conflict. Part of the reason why sometimes we, we, our patience wears thin is that we're not taking advantage of some instruction that the Word of God gives us when we have conflict and, and, and relation struggles in our lives. See, being patient and enduring doesn't mean that you have to put up with everything. Seriously, sometimes patience is best found by working to improve relationship issues. Again, look at verse 13. Notice how Paul assumes that Christians will sometimes have complaints or have issues with other people. Look at verse 13. He says, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving one another. You ever have occasionally a complaint about something or, or, or someone else? And you, you might be thinking, are you kidding me? I've had, a, I've had three complaints since this worship service has started, you know? You know, you, I, I came in here, I barely wake, woke up, and that choir woke me up before I was ready to. Well, praise God for that, all right? 
Listen, having a complaint is not the same as complaining. Complaining is a sin. But, 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 and being a, a complainer, by the way, is unchristlike. But it's okay to have a complaint. It's just not okay to be a complainer. There's a big difference between the two. It's, it's not okay to sit on a complaint, especially if it's affecting relationships because it's causing conflict that should not be there. And if it is causing conflict, Christian, you have an obligation, even though you may be a very patient person, you've been putting up with a lot, if it's causing conflict and friction in your relationship with someone else, uh, you have a responsibility to proactively deal with it. But so often we don't do that. So often, because we want to be patient people, we, we sit on it, and we sit on the concern, and we can sit on the, on the complaint, and, and sometimes that, that, that complaint, that concern becomes bitterness within us. Someone says something, or does something, or doesn't do something, and uh, again, we're, we're a little offended, maybe not too much offended, but then we just let it just, we nurse it. And we nurse that, 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 that complaint and that, that issue. And, and maybe we, we make some assumptions about the person who did it and, and their, uh, what was motivating them. And before you know it, it's blown up into something else. So much so that some Christians will practically excommunicate people from their lives because of something that, that, that happened. They, they, they uh, stop talking to them. They'll ignore them. Act like you don't exist. Well, we're not to excommunicate them w- without redemption. We need to be trying to fix the situation to resolve things. And and so instead, we should patiently be patient with them and deal with them patiently, bearing with them. But if we have a legitimate concern, it's a a, a real concern against them, we ought to proactively deal with it and do so quickly. That often means that we're the ones to be proactive. We're the ones that sense the, the problem So we don't wait on them to come to us, we go to them. But isn't that what Jesus instructed us to do? Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, you got to complain against him, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. It's interesting that when Jesus said that, he put the responsibility upon the one who was offended, not the offender. You know, have you ever seen somebody say something to you? Well, they hurt me, and I'm just waiting on them to come to me, right? That's not proactively dealing with conflict. Jesus' command, and I think Paul's uh, perspective would be the same, is that when there is a complaint, you proactively seek to work, work it out. When we're the one with the complaint, again, our tendency is to say, he messed up, he did it. I'll sit right here until they figure it out. She's the one who quit talking to me. I didn't do anything. And you know why waiting on them to get to you is a problem? You know what it is, don't you? They may not even know that they've done anything wrong. You've got a complaint against them, and in their mind, everything is well. But Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, you go to them. If we have a complaint against another, we need to be proactive. We need to take the initiative to seek to work it out. And, and how we do it is we go to them, we tell them the perceived fault between them and that person alone. In other words, we're not complaining to anybody else. We're not complainers here. We're not sharing our grief to others. We tell it to the person that we have a complaint with, and we do, do so with the goal of making things right. Again, the point of all of that is just to bring it back to a point of restoration, which is why what, what Paul is all about in Colossians 3, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, 
forgiving each other. I hope you've noticed the number of one another's in Colossians chapter 3. Have you noticed them? We are to be cultivating and growing these, these things together, especially patience. Growing patience together. And we develop our patience by bearing one another and forgiving one another. If I could just go back to 25 some odd years ago, maybe longer now. I was in my past, my very first pastorate, uh, fresh out of seminary. It was a much smaller church. We could fit everyone in that church in this really front section here, that first church that I pastored a long time ago. And I would often go through the service at certain times. I'd go through and shake hands. We had a welcome time during the service, and I'd try to hit different spots. And there was one point where um, apparently I had offended somebody because I shook one hand. I didn't shake another hand. You ever done that? And I was approached two weeks later saying, you need to go visit this particular person because you did not shake this person's hand during the welcome, and that person is offended with you. And I, I still remember how it all went down. I was, I, again, I was greeting people. That, we had pews in this church that were really uh, very closely spaced together. It's really hard. To, I mean, you literally had to do this to get into the pew. And it wasn't a lot of room to move around. And, and I actually went around and I shook hands with everyone that I could scoot in to get to. And I couldn't get to this one person, but I did wave at them. But I didn't shake their hand. Let me just tell you, I, I tell you this story, not to fault this lady, but... but Really, the problem was with her. She had a complaint with me that I had no idea about. And she didn't bear with me. I know I'm a lot to put up with, but she didn't bear with me in that moment. And she hadn't sought to forgive me. And she certainly didn't proactively deal with our conflict. And so her patience with me was zero. Zero. And I had done nothing wrong to her. The lesson here is, as you're building up your patience... Be the one that endures, yes, but also proactively deal with conflict. If it's conflict in your heart, deal with it and do it when it's necessary. And in the end, just be like Jesus. And the best way that we can be like Jesus is to do this third and final thing. And that is to embrace a spirit of forgiveness. Embrace a spirit of forgiveness. That's really the last encouragement that you see here in verse 13. He says, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Well, today we're going to be taking of the Lord's table. We've got the Lord's Supper that we're going to conclude our service with. And you're actually going to be encouraged today to consider what Jesus Christ did upon the cross to provide forgiveness for you. He gave His all for you, right? He laid down His life, His very life, to make forgiveness possible for you. So even in this moment, I want you to think about how much the Lord has forgiven you and consider how much and how often He keeps on forgiving you over and over again. You see, the Lord, He forgives. And 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 He forgives. Did I make my point? He forgives and he keeps on forgiving. And he was always ready to forgive. That's the spirit of forgiveness that the Lord had. He kept on forgiving. And you know, friend, I am convinced, and I found this to be true, that patient people have that same spirit. They're always mindful of the fact 
that they did not deserve forgiveness and repeated forgiveness, but that they, they know that the Lord has given them something that by grace that they did not deserve. And so they have that spirit of forgiveness. They know they didn't deserve for, to be forgiven. And so they're ready to forgive others, even though they may not be worthy of forgiveness. You see, as a Christian, you must forgive. Why? Because Jesus has forgiven you. Because Jesus has forgiven you, you must forgive. You have no choice. Listen, this may be true for me, for you as what is true for me, but I've had church relationships that have, that have gone south. For one reason or another, people don't like how we lead. They don't like decisions that have been made. Maybe there was some failure on my part to minister to them that I was unaware of, uh, and it just did not go the way things uh, should have gone. Now, I'm talking about Christian relationships here. A disagreement ha- had arisen, and the relationship being strained, and then, you know, I will tell you, some of the greatest times have come, though, when we've worked it out, we've been proactive, and we try to work things out and, and, and reconciled and got it right before the Lord. The Lord is greatly pleased by that. He's honored by that. But let me tell you, it's sometimes hard. It requires a swallowing of pride to do that. But I'm telling you, finding forgiveness and reconciliation is a very sweet, sweet thing. It's a good thing. You know, there are also a few, not as many, but there are a few relationships that I once had that didn't end so well. Very small group, mind you. And, and it wasn't because reconciliation wasn't pursued and attempted. It was just rebuffed. No one wanted it. And I will tell you, when that happens, it, it saddens me. I, it, it hurts me. I grieve the broken relationship. But I, I will get over it. I also know that if they're truly a Christian and I'm truly a Christian, they're going to have to put up with me in heaven one day. But you know what I'm most concerned about is the unwillingness to reconcile. When, when there's, there's a broken relationship and there's never an attempt to reconcile, there's an unwillingness to forgive. And by the way, friend, when that happens, it's, it's likely a sign of lostness on the person who's unwilling to attempt the reconciliation. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, he says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, as Paul tells us, we're we're, we're to embrace the spirit of forgiveness. As the Lord has forgiven you, you are to forgive. Christians, we've been forgiven, so we have to. It's a requirement. It's part of the the relationship. And, And what if the world, what if the world would look like if we all interacted that way with one another, if we forgave one another as the Lord has forgiven us, if we all had the same attitude that Jesus had when it came down to us and everyone else in the world, what, what if we were ready to forgive one another even before they ever committed a wrong? See, I think that's really the spirit by which Paul is speaking here in verse 13. It's like, be, be, have this spirit of forgiveness and be willing to forgive even before you were ever wronged in the first place. My, how much better this world, my, how much better your life would be and our relationships with one another would be if we all carried the same attitude in, in that if you uh, uh, offend me, if you hurt me, I'm just going to go ahead and let you know I forgive you before it ever happens. Because that's the attitude that Christ has with us. Jesus died upon the cross. He laid down his life upon the cross for you and for me. And he did so to pay the penalty of our sin Sins that had yet to be committed by us. He had, we had yet to say, Lord, forgive me for these sins, right? 
And yet Jesus on the cross, when he died for us, was saying, you're forgiven. And that attitude that Jesus had, that spirit of forgiveness, ought to be the spirit that we carry around with us. What if we truly forgave one another the way the Lord has forgiven us? I mean, just think about it. We, we recognized our sinfulness. We were broken. and We asked the Lord to forgive us, to save us of our sins. We, we pledged our lives to Him. Lord, I surrender my all to You. You are now my Lord, my Savior. I, I am committed from this day forward to obeying You and to pursuing You. And yet we continue to sin. And the Lord, He continues to forgive us. He forgave us in that moment. And He can, continues to forgive us to this day. I say all of this to say this in regards to patience. If we genuinely want to grow in our patience, especially with people, I encourage you to develop this spirit of forgiveness and be prepared to forgive before the, 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 the complaint ever arises, before the offense is ever committed against you, and be prepared then, even when it happens, to keep on forgiving. Simon Peter once asked Jesus about forgiveness. He said, Lord, how often... Am I supposed to forgive someone that sinned against me seven times, up to seven times? And Jesus' response was, no, I did not say to you seven times. I say to you, forgive them 70 times seven. So the mathematically challenge is 490 times. And the point was that we don't keep a record of 490 wrongs before we can finally be done with a person. The point is that we just keep on forgiving and we keep on forgiving and we keep on forgiving. If you want to see a perfect picture of what forgiveness looks like and what it means to be a forgiving person, look at Jesus. In fact, it is when you forgive that we can be most like Him. It's really a good sign that you've been changed, that you have this spirit of forgiveness within you. Now, Jesus' final words in this passage brings us back to the larger characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. If you look in verse 14, he says, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. If you take this verse with verse 12, in verse 12 he talks about putting on compassionate hearts and kindness and humility, uh, meekness and patience. And then he says in verse 12, you need to, above all that, you need to put on love. That love is the most important. It's probably because Without love, none of these other qualities are really going to be able to develop, and that includes the quality of patience. And I just wonder what would happen if Christians put on love. All these characteristics that we've been talking about, and yes, we started the first week of this fruition series focused upon love, but if we would love like Jesus, we had this characteristic of love. In fact, it's God's kind of love that's character that is characterized in us above everything else, or at least should be. And if that is the case, you know what would happen? I'll tell you what would happen. Forgiveness would come naturally. That bearing with one another part, putting up with one another, we do it joyfully. If We have the love of God, along with these other characteristics, but mostly love. Forgiveness is going to come easy to us. Having the spirit of forgiveness is how we're going to walk. These grudges that we've been nursing, they'll just go away. And what will happen in the end, we'll find ourselves more patient. Patient with the people that we love. In fact, I will tell you this. The people that I am most patient with in my life are the people that I love the most. I, I, my family puts up with me on a host of, in a host of ways, and I put up with them in a host of ways. And I will keep on bearing with them and, and putting up with them. They'll keep on putting up with me. 
we'll, we'll keep on pursuing reconciliation. We'll keep trying to work things out because I love them, they love me. And I will already in advance know in, that I will never, there will never be something that will happen between me and one of my family members that I will not forgive because I've already decided that I will forgive them. Why? Because I love them and they love me. Have you accepted the love of God? As Paul began this, this passage, he calls us as believers, speaking about Christians, he calls us chosen ones, holy and beloved. Beloved. Are you loved of God? We're different people. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to have a different identity. Have you allowed Him to grow these traits within you? Has He given you a new identity? Has Jesus changed you and made you a different person, changing who you are, changing your nature? And are you practicing the kind of love and forgiveness and patience that comes with that? Are you growing in patience? If not, perhaps you've never known Him to start with. It's time to let Him change you and make you something new. Let Him choose you and set you apart as holy and His beloved. I want to pray for you in this moment. I want to pray and ask that the Lord speak into your life because the Lord has been long-suffering and patient with us all. And perhaps He's been patient with someone in this room You've been resisting and resisting and resisting the love and the call of God on your life for a long time. And God's patience is long-suffering. Perhaps today is the day, though, that you finally wake up and recognize what the Lord has done for you. How much the Lord stands ready to forgive you. Jesus died on the cross for us a long time ago. But only those who believe that Jesus is Lord and turn from their sins in repentance to Him will experience His forgiveness will experience His love. So I'm going to challenge you. If you're here today and you, you begin to notice that these characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit aren't evident in your life, and maybe your lack of forgiveness and a lack of patience in your life may be the biggest sign of all so far that you do not have the Spirit of God within you. And may it be that today the Spirit is pricking your heart, trying to wake you up and point out to the fact that these, these characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit are not within you because the Spirit is not within you. Perhaps today is the day that you finally embrace the love and the forgiveness of Jesus. I'm going to pray for you, but I want to give you this encouragement. If you're here today and you're not quite sure where you stand with Jesus, that you would like to make sure for certain after all this time of wrestling in the Spirit over whether you're right with God or not, let today be the day that you are changed forevermore. We're going to have some pastors available for you after the, we've concluded our service today. One of those pastors will be standing at the cross to my right, to your left. And I'm going to encourage you to not leave this building before first speaking to one of our pastors. I'll be standing out in the foyer at the conclusion of our service as well. And if you come to me, we've got folks who are ready to spend some time privately in a conversation to talk with you about any spiritual questions you may have. But my, I would plead with you, do not let this moment pass by without trusting Christ with your all and finding forgiveness finally in Him. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank You for the moment and I thank You for the opportunity to preach about You, Your grace, and Your, your patience, Lord. You have been patient 
patiently forgiving us for a long time. Well, we know that that forgiveness is not automatic. It only belongs to those for whom you have died, for, the, for those to whom have surrendered all to you. And so, Lord, I ask you in this moment, Lord Jesus, to awaken those who have yet to experience this change, who have yet to be born again, and let them know that today is the day of new birth. Help them to find you, Lord. Give them encouragement to speak with one of our pastors. Let them not leave this place until they have it nailed down and find assurance forevermore. And Lord, save them, I pray, by your power. Lord, I also pray for my brothers and sisters for whom this message was mostly directed to. The Lord, we would be a people that are defined by the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit, not the least of which is patience. Lord, let us be even more than ever before be willing to put up with one another because we're going to fail one another. And Lord, let us be proactive in repairing relationships and, and seeking to deal with conflict so that our patience is able to endure. And Lord, more than anything else, let us embody a spirit and embrace a spirit of forgiveness, the very spirit that you show us every single day. And Lord, as people see this, the patience growing and cultivating in us, may they see that it's not us that is patient, but it is you working that patience within us. So we ask and pray and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.